Hey there, my name is Derek Duvall, and I'm the lead pastor of Awakened City Church in Harriman, Utah, a suburb of Salt Lake City. And I want to thank you for checking us out. Awakened City exists to connect people from all walks of life with the hope that's found in Jesus. And we hope this message will be a blessing to you. For more information, you can visit awakenslc.com. can go ahead and grab a seat. If you have uh, your Bible, you can open up to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible somewhere around you. It's blue. Uh, If you don't own a modern translation of God's Word, that's our gift to you. You can take that home with you today. We want you to have God's Word in your home. And so anyways, Luke chapter 2 is where we are going to be this morning. If you've been with us for the last four weeks, then you know that we've been looking at Luke chapter 1, and Luke chapter 2, and digging into the uh, events that have been detailed for us in the gospel of Luke uh, of that first Christmas, and looking at it through uh, the eyes of those who witnessed it. But this afternoon, uh, just much shorter than normal, uh, I want to look at that first Christmas when Christ, when Jesus was born, through the eyes of the one who orchestrated it all, God, right? We looked at it through the eyes of so many people who are part of it, but I want to look at it through the eyes of, of God this Christmas morning. And specifically, I want to look at the words that the angels brought to the shepherds who were in uh, the field that night. And the reason I'm going to look at the words that the angels declared to these shepherds is because we know the angels don't just come on their own volition. Anytime they're coming, it's because God has sent them. And so what they have to say is what God wants to say in this moment. We see that both in the New and the Old Testament. And so the message that these shepherds proclaim is that it's to all people this news of great joy and peace that is offered to anyone and everyone. The purpose of this child coming wasn't just to be a good example to us of how we should live our lives. It wasn't just to help us get over the hump and to make it to God. Jesus' coming wasn't uh, to make bad people better. It was to make dead people alive, Ephesians 2.5 tells us. Now, I don't know about you, but I love getting Christmas cards uh, in the mail, and we we cover our entire doorpost with Christmas cards. We're not going to send you a card, but we love getting them, right? Anyone else? Those are my people. Like, we love getting them. We're not sending one, though. But anyways, uh, so yeah, we have our whole doorpost covered. We love receiving them. Um, But Jesus' coming is like a Christmas card in the mail that says, you messed up and you can't fix it. Wow, what a great card, right? You messed up and you can't fix it. The good news is, when you open it, it says, but I came that you might be forgiven. And that is good news, right? Jesus' coming is a declaration You can't do it. You can't do it on your own. But I came that you can, that you might be forgiven, that you might have peace and joy. And that is good news. This child coming was meant to bring good news of great joy and to offer peace to all people. And so let's begin by looking at where am I getting this from? And and I want to look at quickly two places where we find the angels speaking to these shepherds, and then we'll unpack it for a second. So in Luke chapter 2, an angel appears to the shepherds. We actually looked at this a few weeks ago, but but he says this in in verses 10 and 11. 
For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then just a few moments later, we go from one angel to this whole multitude of angels showing up on the scene and they're declaring in verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Around the Christmas season, we hear those words a lot, don't we? Whether it's on the Charlie Brown Christmas show, maybe we watch, or uh, it's something else you're watching or you're reading. These are words that we're very familiar with. And familiarity can breed complacency. When you're like, oh yeah, God came, yeah, big deal, right? We forget what in the world is going on here. This is outrageous. So I don't want us to miss what God is saying here, what, what the angels are saying whom God sent. But before we unpack it, I just want to backtrack, backtrack for just a second. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but I recognize that all of you are here. But I want, to, I want to hit on who quickly it's being said to so that we have a better understanding of what this truly means for us today. As I shared a few weeks ago, when we looked at this passage, the first people, the first people that God sends angels to share this good news is to shepherds. Now, if you're here two weeks ago, then you would have you would remember how, the significance of that, and it's significant because these are the most rejected and despised of all the people. God, the first people He shows up to are the most rejected and despised of all people. Often they were known as liars and thieves, and because of that, their, their testimony wasn't even admissible as evidence. These, these are the outcasts of society that God shows up to first. And these are the men God chooses to proclaim this good news of great joy. So what we can learn from this is that if this good news, this gospel, that's what the word gospel means. It means good news. If this gospel, this good news has been made available to shepherds, then it's been made available to everyone and anyone. That no matter how small or insignificant you might think you are, no matter how many times you've messed up, no matter how unworthy you feel that Jesus came for anyone and everyone. But I also think it teaches us another thing, and that is if, if God is coming to the shepherds, then that's proof, lest we get puffed up, that he didn't just come after those who were the best. He, he didn't come after us because of how awesome we are, how righteous we lived, or how, quote, worthy we have proven ourselves to be. He made this gospel, this good news of great joy available to anyone and to everyone. This is good news because, listen to what the angel says in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This child wasn't just any ordinary child. He came to be Savior of the world. And this Savior would come not only to bring us joy, but he would come that we might have peace also. But how? And what would this peace look like? The peace that God offers and the angels are proclaiming here isn't a promise that there will be peace where everything's calm and there are no hiccups in life. It's not a promise that the path will be smooth and there won't be bumps in the road. It's, that, that's not the peace that God's offering here. Actually, that's never promised in the Bible, that if you trust in him, life is smooth. We also know this peace isn't a promise that there will be peace in our relationships. That as a Christian, that there won't be tension tomorrow when you show up with your family at Christmas, right? And some of you are like, look, you don't need to tell me that. I already know Christmas is a reminder. There's not peace in the home, right? 
Christmas is a reminder that when it comes to some family members, there's, there's a lack of peace. And so obviously that's not the peace that we're being promised here. The peace that the angel proclaims here is peace with God. At the center of the good news, the gospel, is a peace that is found between God and sinners. And that's all of us. And that's every person who has ever lived. You see, the Bible tells us that everyone, everyone has rebelled against God's good and loving commands. Romans 3.23 tells us that. And because of that, there's hostility between us and God. That's what the Bible tells us. And for those of us who were here a few months ago, we, we actually went through this, went through the book of Ephesians, and we read these verses right here. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14. Or verse 14, starting there. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. When in his own body on the cross, he, that's Jesus, broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. We were separated from God. And verse 16, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. That hostility that was once between us and God was removed because Jesus went to the cross. And by doing that, he took the just punishment that we deserved and for the sins that we committed. Jesus took that on. That that's the good news, that that's the, the gospel, that there is now peace between us and God. And that is reason to celebrate. That is, that is a reason for us to gather on a busy Saturday afternoon and to rejoice. A Savior has come, and because of that, we can now have joy and peace. So as we begin, as we begin to wrap up our time this afternoon, I, I want to look one more time at the last words of these angels that they proclaimed to the shepherds that night. In Luke chapter 2, 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. There is peace for those with whom God is is pleased. So the good news comes with the condition. It's for those with whom he's pleased. So then how do we know if he's pleased with us? That seems like an important question, right? And if he's not, how, if he's not pleased with us, then, then how do we please him? Do we just try not to do anything that, that might make him angry? Is that how we please him? Do we just say lots of nice things about him and to him? Do we have to perform certain ordinances and sacrifices? Are there certain boxes that we need to check? Are other things that we need to do? Or maybe, maybe we need to give a certain amount of, of money? Is that how we please him? The Bible tells us the answer to all of those is no. Our only hope for this peace that's promised by the angels is through faith that, that this child, it's through faith that this child, Jesus, who came and was born in a manger on Christmas Day, is through faith that he is who we believe him, who he says he is, right? God in flesh, who we believe him to be. He is God in flesh. It's faith in that. It's, it's faith that he did what he said he would do, and that is remove hostility that stood between us and God. We please God by our faith in who he said he was and what he said he did. Our only hope is through faith alone in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. 
And so the way in which we please God, because that's your question, the way in which we please God is in fully trusting in the work of Jesus alone. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 tells us this. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. God, the peace that's being offered to all those who believe God and trust in him, and they believe Jesus coming is truly good news of great joy. And this good news becomes greater news when we understand that God has offered this to us, who just like the shepherds were completely unworthy and undeserving. That the celebration of the beginning of his life only makes sense if we celebrate the end of his life and we know what he has done for us. In Romans 5, 8, we read this, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So now maybe you're in here and you're thinking to yourself, well, I've never really actually rebelled against God or rejected God. I've always loved him with my whole heart since I was a young child. So this doesn't describe me. But the Bible tells us that anytime we choose our way of doing things, or we choose our way of thinking about things over his way of doing things or thinking about things, that that's rejecting him, that that's rebelling against him. And if, and if you're still not convinced that you're in that category, like, look, I'm sorry, you're talking to most people, but not me. We're living a pretty good life. I've said this a lot of times here, but I'll say it again. If you feel like I'm a pretty good person, all we have to do is take a video of this past week of your life and your thoughts and put it up on a screen. And there's not a person in this room that doesn't want to run out of here and never come back. You're we're not as good as we want to believe we are, right? And so, that, why would that embarrass us? Why, why would it embarrass us for put, to put that up there? Because it's proof that we know we're not good. We know there's a problem and we're far worse than we would even um, like to imagine ourselves being. And we need rescue. That's what the Bible tells us. And Jesus is that rescuer. I said at the beginning, Jesus coming as a baby, is proof that we needed rescue. Jesus coming fully outed every single one of us because if we could have saved ourselves on our own, if we could have done what was required, then Jesus doesn't need to come, right? It's that Christmas card in the mail that says, you've messed up and you can't fix it. Jesus coming is a reminder we can't be good enough. There's no amount of things that we can do to make ourselves right before God. We've already messed up. And there's no amount of things that we can do to fix that relationship. Christ is our only hope. And not our only hope, like he's a bridge and we couldn't have got to the other side without him. Our only hope is in, there's, there's nothing we could do. There's no amount of effort we could climb up a ladder and get to God. That's why God had to come down to us. Because you can never earn your way to God. Actually, Paul warns of that in Galatians. And he says, if you try to add anything to faith, yeah, it's faith in Jesus plus you got to do this. Paul says it's too late. It's either all Jesus and you fully trust in him or it's all you better be perfect. Because if you say it's Jesus plus this, Paul says, then you're cursed and you're fully judged by your works. There's only one way 
in which you can be made right with God. And that is there's only one way in which you can please him. And in that, that is through faith alone in Christ alone. That is our only hope this morning. And so we have been offered good news of great joy. Good news of great joy that we might be saved, that a Savior has come. That's what Jesus' name, so Jesus' name means. God saves. And he came to save those who humble themselves before him and say, Jesus, I need you. I know I'm not right. I know other things in my life are not good. And this afternoon I come before you and I confess. I confess that. I can't live up to your standard. And even when I try, I fail miserably and I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. And if that's you today, I want to encourage you not to put it off. Confess these things before God today in prayer. Prayer is just talking to God in your mind, right? Confess these things to God in prayer, that you, you, you are not too far gone. Today, we hear good news of great joy, but just like this, just like the gifts that will be under the tree tomorrow morning, you have to accept it. You have to acknowledge it. And so if you're in here today and you, you know God, you have a relationship with him, I want to encourage you to know this, to lean on the promises of God, that he is working all things together for your good. And that if he did not spare his own son, know that God is for you. If he did not spare his own son and sent him as a baby, for what reason? That he would come and die. What good gift would God withhold? This is truly good news of great joy and peace. So I'm going to give us a moment to respond. And then we're going to continue to sing a few songs. And even during this next song, you can respond. If you want someone to pray with or talk with, I'll be in the back. I'd love to pray with you, talk with you. Maybe you came with someone who knows Christ. Pray with them. Ask them to pray with you. Ask them to talk with you. But don't put this off. This this morning is good news of great joy. This is peace to all people with whom he is pleased. And so if you don't have faith in him, if you're not fully trusting him alone, then you're trusting in yourself. And he is not pleased with your efforts. Your sacrifices fall short. Your efforts fall short. Christ alone is our only hope. So I want to give us a moment to reflect, to respond. We'll continue to sing and you can respond in, in whatever way you want.